Welcome to The Truth In His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest is Chef, educator, entertainer. Please welcome Chef Eric Berlin, Chef Egg. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so let's get cracking. Uh, you know, I was going to do that. Uh, can you introduce yourself, um, how you guys started, and ultimately, what drew you to the kitchen professionally? Cool. Um, so my name's Chef Egg. It is my goal to give people the culinary skills they need to succeed in the kitchen. Uh, this is like a life's mission. I'm 40 years old. I've been doing this for 20 years now. And every day I wake up, how do I teach people how to cook? Um, and I do that for several reasons. The big one um, being that cooking can do so many things in your life. Um, it can help you meet people. It can help you learn about the world, but also can improve your health, uh, improve your finances, uh, improve your self-esteem, um, also helps you to improve kind of your outlook on the world. Um, there are not a lot of racist chefs out there. There are not a lot of closed minded chefs out there or cooks as a whole yeah. because food is international. And, um, to be able to give people those skills to be able to share my outlook on food, um, is a blessing. Um, and it's what I love to do every single day. Um, I started cooking, uh, when I was pretty young, I knew I wanted to be a chef fairly young. What kind of chef? I had no clue. Um, I still have no clue what kind of <laughs> chef I want to be. Um, I think that changes, that changes daily for me. Um, but, um, my mom wasn't a great cook and she hates that. I say that I've said it on television here in the city. And she's like, why did you say that? Um, but the fact is the food wasn't so great. Um, I don't know if you remember the early eighties, um, but there was a lot of convenience food. There was a lot of boxed Mac and cheese and hot dogs and SpaghettiOs were like the king <laughs> food. And I was like, I want to learn how to make food like Julia Child on TV. I want to yeah. do Yan Can Cook. I want, uh, they had this Cajun cook called Justin Smith who was drinking wine on PBS and yeah. um, all of these cats. Um, I wanted to be like them. They look like they're having a blast and eating really good food. So um, I started cooking when I was 14 um, at Meriwether Post Pavilion making pizzas. I started cooking on the line when I was 16 at a hotel in Columbia, Maryland, where I grew up. Um, went to culinary school and uh, vowed I would never cook in a restaurant ever again after that. <laughs> nice. So yeah, thank you, thank you for walking us walking us through it. And you, you did you have any more? Because I didn't, I realized I kind of stepped on you a little bit there. Yeah, it's okay. Um, no, I just I went to culinary school. Uh, culinary school is only two years, so my parents are like, you you need a, a four year degree in something. They're both educators. They're like, you you got it. You got to have something. Yeah. Uh, so my degree is in hospitality management, uh, and then I played in bands after that. And I, I, <laughs> I was a youngster uh, doing my thing. Um, and then I, I wanted to do this chef egg thing. And I started that when I was 20 in college. Mm -hmm. um, I did a project, uh, made a TV show called Cooking with Egg. And this was like way before YouTube. This was before anything of that nature. Um, and I made a, a funny little funny little video and it's kind of grown from there. Um, and now I've grown into, I, I love to teach people um, live and in person. Uh, that's the, the biggest thing for me. So I travel all around the place and I teach people how to cook and it, it makes me feel great. So yeah, let, let's actually talk about that a little bit. So in not having that desire to be in restaurants or what have you and 
the, the cooking class, like, is that kind of that that mode that best works? It w- or would you would you want to do it as a, a show moving into where we're mm-hmm. at now? Because we have so many more avenues now where you're you're a Twitch stream away from oh, yeah. <laughs> going viral or doing something live on um, Instagram and making mm-hmm. that 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 mode. So why why cooking classes? Is it really to poke at that that educator side of your your background? Yeah. Um, so. I always want to do something that nobody else is doing. So when nobody was making TV shows, I was making TV shows. Everybody starts making TV shows. You've got to move. You've got, there's a, everybody and literally their mother and grandmother has a cooking show right now. It seems to be the easiest way to do something. And to me, I'm like, well, that's not cool. Everybody's doing it. And I'm not fighting all these people for attention. So what I decided to do, and I had to start a business, you got to make money. Yeah. Uh, so I started doing cooking classes. Goodness gracious. I don't know. We were started doing cooking classes 10 years ago at the blue moon cafe in, in Fells point. Yeah. Uh, my friend Sarah's like, here are the keys. Have fun with your classes. Don't mess up my restaurant. <laughs> uh, so we did presentations. Then we moved into hands-on classes. Um, and then I've literally traveled the world doing this cooking class thing. And I have fully mobile, um, fully mobile, cooking class that I do when I take burners and pots and pans. Um, I will do live presentations that are interactive, but I'll also set up little kitchens for groups to cook at. So nobody's doing this. I can do this. And it works into the fact that I'm a musician and, and performance is huge for me. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to put on a show that people are going to love and that they're going to remember and that nobody else is doing. So even if there was another person doing, and there's several people doing cooking classes here in the city specifically, nobody's putting on a chef egg show. Uh, when you go on WBAL, WBFF, you know, you do these TV stations, you got three minutes to show them your stuff and you have to make a mark. Um, and it's just like a band band's got 10 minutes. You can play three songs. You got to make the crowd remember you. Um, and that, that was really, really huge for me. And through that, just being in the city for, for so many years, I've played it. I, I'm, I'm, when I say I played, I, I act like it's, <laughs> I act like it's a concert. Um, but I've done artscape book fest, yeah. you know, I've done these, you know, these big festivals here in the city. Um, we've had sold out cooking classes for years until COVID hit. Um, and you know, I'm on all the news stations and then, and then COVID struck. Yeah. And then you're like, well, what do I do? I can't get a real job. I hate (laughs) restaurants and all the restaurants are closed. Um, so I started, you know, and look, and it took some time and it was kind of painful, but I got into doing virtual cooking classes. And now that people are back out in the world, I'm now doing in-person cooking classes and presentations. I just got back from travel over the weekend and then these on Monday and Tuesday, I had virtual cooking classes every day. And my dream was, and I got, I got kids at home. I got a wife, I got a house, I got two cats. I got, you got to take care (laughs) of, you have to pay the bills. Yes. And if you can pay the bills with your art, you're making it happen in my opinion. So being on TV, eh, I know people on TV, they don't look that happy. Right. Um, I made my own television show. It's called chef eggs, cooking experience where we had little characters that pop up into my <laughs> cooking, into my world. I don't know if you checked it out. I did. Yeah. yeah. It's that cook. It, nobody's done that. Yeah. And it took me seven years to make that probably $20,000. Wow. Yeah. And I made it. And every day I woke up, I want to make this thing. I want to make this thing. Nobody's going to make it. If I don't make it, somebody else is going to make it. 
I made it. I pitched it out. Nobody wanted it. It's too much money to, to produce, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got some no's. For, I got some pretty big no's, which I think is cool. Yeah. Um, I had Mark Summers from Double Dare and the Food Network like, nah, we're not oh, going to take it. We'll, we'll pass on that. What, and, yeah, I was like, well, thanks, Mark Summers. It's nice to, <laughs> nice to meet you. Physical challenge. Um, but what dawned on me was I know people that are on TV. They're not happier than I am. They right. don't have what I have. They can't do what I can do. Um, and that making the TV show didn't necessarily make me happy. It just moved me on to the next artistic venture. Yeah. So now I got two things. I got to pay the bills, three things. You got to pay the bills, you got to make really good food, and you have to continue your artistic ventures forward. And that is just, besides paying the bills and making food, making, making, making is important to me. And Mm -hmm. whether I'm making TV shows, I'm making music with, I got in several bands. I mean, I have to be every day. I want to make, I want to make, I want to make, but what I really love to do. Um, and you know, if this came down the pike, when you, when you film a show, there's editing, there's sound, there's this, there's that it takes forever. And it, as the producer and the host, it's gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Oh, this is horrible. I, I, I did a horrible, you know, you, you yeah. can't, you can't be partial. You can't separate yourself from it. Right. What I love to do is I go on WBAL. I don't know six, seven times a year, WBFF, um, you know, and you do these one-offs, you do five minutes, they give you five minutes to go live. And that's the best Mm -hmm. because it's all live. I'm sitting on there with Jennifer Franciotti, BS and back and forth, having a great time. We make good food. I get a message out to thousands of people and then it's done and you wrap up and you move on to the next thing. So, so yeah, it, so that kind of reminds me a couple of the things that you touched on of kind of always feeling like you're stretching creatively or what have mm-hmm. you and um, always, always moving and almost, uh, and this is paraphrasing from another podcast, but uh, going to where the puck is going, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and anticipating that, like, and, and, and I like it. I know there's a, a bit of, a bit of stank that was there. It's like, no one's doing what I'm doing. And I feel the same way. It's like other people who are doing podcasts and talking to people and so on. Yeah, they could they could have they could have a conversation with you. It's not going to be the same way that I'm doing it. Absolutely, and and, and that's the way that you, you got to know what you're putting into it and what your drive is and how you approach it. And I think what you're doing is very much associated with being an artist versus this is this is work. What have you? It's like you're in that that spot where you're able to look at it from both perspectives. Absolutely, and I think having that artfulness. It, it makes you almost a perfectionist in some ways of like, yeah, I got to make this better than the next one. Yeah. yeah I said this, uh, you know, being on the news is fine, but you never feel like really satisfied. Well, uh, to, to that, you're never going to be satisfied with anything you do. Mm-hmm. And I can make, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're in the middle of finishing up a record and I'm like, ah, I could have gone back and played, I play the drums, could have played those drums better. Mm-hmm. But in a month, a year down the road, it's going to look just fine. When you're in it, you're so hyper critical. Yeah. When I, when I get off, um, you know, when I'm in my car, when they, when they shut the lights off at the news station, cause that's what they do to you. They finish up and they shut the <laughs> lights off on you. Um, you're like, Oh, I could have dead. I could have mm-hmm. did that better. Somebody reaches out. I'm like, Oh, you forgot this. I'm like, uh, I guess I forgot that, but I'm going to be on again in 
another month or three weeks or what have yeah. you. And I'm going to make it better then. And every presentation I do, um, you're going to make mistakes, but what's most important. And I think that from an artist's perspective, it's about how you connect with people mm-hmm. and whether I mess up or, I mean, I, I've messed up in so many, so many ways <laughs> in front of people on yeah. live television. I don't even care anymore because my mess up isn't somebody else's mess up. It still looks good when I do it. Is it perfect? No, but only I can see that. But- um, and when um, it's, it's just, it's never going to be perfect. And the minute you get that, you're free. <laughs> your painting is never going to be perfect. Your recording, it's never, but it's going to, like you said, it's going to have some stank on it. And that's, <laughs> that's what you want. Everything you do should have a little bit of that on it because it's original. It's like playing a song live yeah. as opposed to a recording. They'll yeah. say, Oh, that Bruce Springsteen recording from 1984 in New Jersey was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And you're like, I, I guess, but I wasn't there and I can't experience that. Um, so I want to, have those experiences every single time, just making sure it's the best. It's got some stank. It's got some education. It's, and it looks, it looks good too, because we're on TV. That's one of the, one of the things that I I got a good piece of advice for that I've held on to for years. And I don't naturally gravitate toward uh, public speaking or anything along those Mm -hmm. lines. This is my version of it. And it's like, look, I, this is how I do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had a uh, professor and he was just like, just, you know, he was telling people in class, he was like, stop going back and say, oh, I messed that up and so on. He's like, you're bringing attention to your your, your flub. Yeah. It's like, don't do that. Just keep moving like it was intentional. Yeah. And that's how I do it now. And even through the the editing process of yeah. doing a, a, an, an interview or doing a podcast or, or something to that effect, or even doing video, because I've done that as well. You you want to you want to look at like really what's your aim? So mm-hmm. here with this podcast, when this gets edited, the the purpose of this is to have an interview that feels like it's a conversation because really that's what it is. Sure. But if I'm going through removing every iota and trying to trim it down to fit within a bucket, it loses what its intent is. Mm-hmm. And it's like you want to aim for perfection while knowing that you're going to miss it. But you're you aiming to get better and better and improve and improve and make it always interesting for you. So when we get out of these real questions and get to those rapid fire questions, mm-hmm. that wasn't a part of this podcast early on. And I was like, what do I want to add to this? They may know Chef Egg for being on TV. They may know him for attending the class or something. But what did he know about you? I want to ask you a weird question about how you feel about leftovers. And that's an added detail that they have about you now. And that, and that's, I, have, and that's, I, have some, I have some good good ideas about leftovers. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So, <laughs> but like you said, um, you know, if you talk to somebody in the theater, they're like, "I do eight shows a week." Yeah. Somebody on Broadway, they're like, "You know, somebody was like, oh, what was the, what about that recipe you did two weeks ago?'" I'm like, "I don't even, I don't even, I love being in a place where I don't know what I did two weeks ago." Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, I got three jobs this week. I got, I got two live things. I got to travel for something. I got to do two virtual classes, and I've got my prep sheets, and I got a shopping list, and I'm in living in that world instead of like. I have no clue where what I was two weeks ago. I, I don't even look at my Google calendar anymore. I don't even count. I used to count the guests and rate myself. I had a whole spreadsheet and I'm like, I don't even, once it hit like 2000 guests a year, I was like, I don't care anymore. 
Yeah, well, and it, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm trying to get at, and I'm moving in that direction with yeah. it. Like in a given week, I might do about ten interviews, and each one a of those lot of interviews, interviews dude, <laughs> it, it, it is. And um, but it's one of those things where I know that that's the bandwidth. Once mm-hmm. once I get to about fifteen to. 20 that's too many and it's like all right you got to scale it back know know what the capabilities are and really systemize it like what am i putting into it so if i'm putting in three hours of work including the interview for each one it's like all right that's a full-time kind of situation you're adding so where are you stealing that time from and that that's one of those things there your your practice, whether it is you know being a musician, whether it's being a chef, whether it's being a, a, a podcaster, curator, whatever, it's a living, breathing thing. So you have to always be monitoring it. Absolutely, um, and you have to have systems in place. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so so think back real quick. You, you mentioned like like numbers. You mentioned things of that nature. When, when when you think back about your career and some of those milestones, what are some of those moments that come to mind, and why? Um, so. Yeah, I got you. Um, I've always, there's so many milestones mm-hmm. and there was a point where I accomplished them all and then COVID hit and I said, I need new milestones. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big thing that happened, I was working at Whole Foods Market and I have a, I got a way to finagle things. I, I, I can talk to people, I can see opportunities and I can get them. So I'm at Whole Foods, they're cook. they're doing a, uh, Emerald Lagasse hosted cooking show in Fairfax, Virginia. I'm working at a store in Silver Spring about an hour and a half away. And I was like, I living in Columbia at the time. I was like, told my boss, I was like, yo, I want to get on the show with Emerald. And they were like, well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but we'll see. And I was like, yo, what's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? And they were like, well, we need somebody to make some food when people come in and tell them what to, and tell people what to do while the, crew is here because there's a live TV show being taped in a grocery store. And I was like, I want that. And they're like, well, it's in Fairfax, Fair Lakes. And I was like, that's cool. They're like, it's an hour and a half from Columbia in traffic there and back every day. Do you want to do that? Yes. I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I was on TV with Emerald a couple times and that was huge. It was awesome. Um, I told my parents when I was in college, I'm going to cook for famous people. Yeah. And they're like, okay, go cook for famous people. That sounds great. Go, go, you know, go get a job and get out of our basement. <laughs> and a couple of years later, um, through, through some connections, dude's like, Hey man, you want, you want a, you want a private chef gig? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, well, I'm the chef for Daniel Snyder, owner of the Redskins. Wow. They need a chef and they're very specific about who they have in their house. So if you want to, you know, you're a nice, you're a nice kid. I was like 25, 26. I was real young. Yeah. And they were like, you know, but I had, I had a very small chops at the time. So I went in there, did an interview. I worked there for a whole year, flying on jets and hanging out at the mansion and meeting Hollywood directors and um, you know, players and stuff like that. Um, what I mean, I said I wanted to uh, be at Artscape. You know, Artscape's the, the, the big show in the city, if you ask me, right? Yeah. And... I was at the, I wanted to be at the farmer's market. I ended up doing hands-on classes at the farmer's market for several years. Um, my, my friend, Sandy, uh, who was running the market at the time was like, you ready for artscape? I got you three days and I'm going to pay you. And I was like, well, Sandy, uh, uh, Sandy Lawler is her name. And she's just like the best. We would get together for a beer or coffee. And I'd be like, Sandy artscape, 
book fest. What's up? What's up? What's up? And she's like, let me find the budget. Let me get, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. And she, and she always knew that I delivered. Um, so she always had money making opportunities for me. Um, you know, getting to be, I'm like the guy they call it WBAL. You know, they were like, first, you can't get on there. You can't get through to people. And then they see you can do the job. And they're like, can you be here tomorrow at six 30 in the morning? And you're like, you got it. <laughs> um, I was on the food network. That was a huge goal of mine to be on the food network. Yeah. And I did a show called rewrapped. Uh, I'm on TV with Joey Fatone and Mark Summers from double dare. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I had a theme song that I was rapping and Joey Fatone is beatboxing. I'm like, what is going on here? Um, yeah. so just wacky stuff like that. I mean, I think the big, the biggest goal is, um, you know, yeah being married and having two lovely, lovely little girls and, and having a beautiful home and, and saying that chef egg paid for this. Yeah. You know, I think that is the biggest thing. Um, I wanted to do, uh, tours with armed forces entertainment and I've done, uh, two tours with them cooking, uh, me and Sarah Simmington from blue moon cafe, some mm -hmm. other chefs, uh, were, you know, blessed enough to go to, um, Egypt. We went to, uh, Egypt and the Sinai and the red sea all on the military dime cooking for soldiers. Um, I've been to Bahrain and Djibouti, Africa. I've been to Germany. Um, I just got back from Destin, Florida this weekend cooking for military. Um, I think the coolest thing that I've done is, um, cooking with the soldiers at Walter Reed. So when like we were in the Afghanistan war in 2008, there was a lot of people at Walter Reed. There's right. a lot of people there now, but like, we're not in conflict right now. Right. So I was dealing with all types of TBIs, amputations. Um, but when I left cooking with the soldiers, I felt awesome because we, we had made a great meal and we had people, you know, soldiers that wouldn't get out of their rooms. They wouldn't move for anybody. They wouldn't talk to anybody, but they're like, chef eggs, not so bad. He makes them pretty <laughs> good. He makes them pretty like they wouldn't eat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they were, they were in a place. Um, and then you leave that and you're like, okay, I'm yeah. on the right path as far as being an artist, connecting with people. Um, but that's a, in my case, it's a blessing to be able to help people like that. Right. Um, so those are kind of the biggest things. And now, yeah. and I think making that TV show, I mean, I, I, it, I spent, I spent 10 years making that TV show, thinking it and finding the artists to make, uh, character renderings, finding the right person to film it. Who's now uh, my friend, Brian, um, filmed it and directed it. It was no easy feat. It was really right. difficult. Um, and we did it and I just saw him, uh, he just filmed one of my performances last week. Um, and I was like, man, we, we did that, dude. I still feel really good. It didn't get picked up. I didn't make 30 seasons. I'm not a household name, but I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. Like I just wanted to make that thing. You, you, you did it and you I did it. You, you made, you made it happen. And I, I think like this year I had a few goals that I had in mind and I'm waiting for them to see come to fruition or what have you. Like when you, you do like TV or into somebody else's thing, you just want to make sure your scene wasn't cut. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I wanted to do two film projects and one of them is probably something that's on HBO and the other one was a student film. And that mm -hmm. runs the gamut of kind of what I do with this podcast of, I've talked to people who are established artists and I've talked to people who are an emerging artists. So you, you have that. And I think towards the end of the year, it's like, I want to really look back and it's like, how many podcasts did I put out? Or even looking at like downloads and even looking at like 
hey, I've been in this many, I had my first, like, and this is, you know, nothing to you, Chef Egg, mm-hmm. great Chef Egg, but <laughs> I've had my, my first, like, in-print interview. And it's like, that's a, it feels good, dude. It's yeah, awesome. It's, <laughs> it it's a good. thing. And you, you see these things of like, this is informing that the effort that I'm putting forth yeah. is, is paying off. Not in a way that you're looking for per se, but you're like, okay, other people are seeing it. So the desire of being heard is there, being seen and being appreciated for what you're doing is there. And there's a huge difference between doing this and how it affects people. Because I go to WBAL and I shoot the thing and they're all like, they're so, I mean, they're so nice and every it's the production is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. They're, they're just great, but you don't know how it affects 10,000 people. Maybe saw that. Yeah. You don't get that and, feedback. Yeah. And I have no clue because uh-huh. I'm in my car with some cold Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And then I go home and I clean my dishes and nobody knows I'm cleaning dishes. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, I don't have somebody to clean my dishes for me. It be, would be wonderful. Um, <laughs> it'd be great. But I know people that are on, you know, I know people that are on the food network. I know people that, that do these big, big things. They're still lugging around a tub and doing their own dishes when they come back from the studio, yeah. because that's, that that's it. That That's what the job is. Um, it's, not the performance it's the job um and it, it makes you feel good that somebody's reading an article that you're in it makes you feel good absolutely that you're on the tv it makes you feel really cool to see your name on the art on the official artscape lineup yeah my, yeah. my band a big big huge thing i'm in a band called scotty p and the love from above um we got artscape side stage mm-hmm. i was like yes i was so pumped dude i was <laughs> I was so pumped. Right. Yeah. So I got a catering job that day. I said, I got to leave this catering job four o'clock. I got to be in Baltimore at five. I got my drums in the back and I got the band on the phone. Everybody's collaborating trying to get there. It starts pouring down rain, <laughs> pouring down rain. I was like, is it still on? They're like, it's still on. I was like, and you know, 45 minutes before they're like, it's off. And, and it was just sheets of, and I was, I was devastated devastated mm-hmm. it's like our names on the oh, i saw it on, i wanted to see it you know, you know they got the board on the side of the stage i wanted yeah. to see that next year we get a call they're like don't worry chef egg you're first on the list you know and you know i've heard that a lot you know mm-hmm. we'll get back to you chef egg you're, we are good we're still good next year i get a call from uh one of the producers and they're like yeah you know we got your spot you know you'll see when you're playing on the um on the lineup. So just check, check out the line. Okay. We're going to get a side stage. Maybe we get three, four o'clock, you know, when people are rocking and rolling and one of those, you know, they've got those two, three side stages. That'd be great. Look on the thing. And we are opening up the main stage. And I was like, call my band. I'm like, yo, we're we're not, we got, we got, we got, we got it guys and and they're like well yeah okay what you know what side stage we playing what time will we you know i'm like no we're we're on the main stage at 12 o'clock we're opening this thing up um and that was the first really big big stage i played it's a big stage (laughs) it's it's different than playing at mick o'shea's pub on friday night (laughs) um or the you know the susquehanna seafood festival like it's different um but we did it and it was just like Wow. Uh, So when you talk about goals and you talk about all this kind of stuff, like I've had these goals that look so minuscule as compared to what I've accomplished. Um, 
and you're like, you know, you're, you want to have these podcasts and you don't know if somebody listens to a library of your podcasts and, and five years, 10 years down the road. And it gets them thinking about something like you have no clue how it affects people. Um, and, uh, you know, people saw that main stage performance were like, that was rocking. Like yeah. a couple years later, they're like, yeah, I saw you on that stage. Like, <laughs> cool, man. Like it just feels good to be, feels good to be noticed. Absolutely. So I got I got one more major real question I like to call them, and then no. I have some rapid fire questions that we'll wrap up on. Uh, so many people, and mm-hmm. this is something I noticed that was kind of important for for you uh, read in your went, went some some of the bio information that was mm-hmm. out there. Uh, many people buy loads of groceries, but have no real sense of what they want to make. Ultimately, they go hit that DoorDash button because there's yeah. quote unquote nothing to eat. Uh, they can't see what they have and figure out the possibilities. Tell me about intuitive cooking. Sure. Um, and man, you looked real hard for that intuitive cooking, but it was something I was, re- I was really, I really love to talk to people about that. It is understanding how to put a meal together out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And that comes from having nothing, you know what I mean? So, and a, a lot of times you'll be at home. I got kids. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to eat. I don't know. It could be up to like four thirty, five o'clock. I'm like, and then you see something and the lines connect and you're like, I can make a quick pot pie. People are like a quick pot pie. What are you talking about? I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I got some chicken. I got some, I got some frozen veggies. I got some cream of chicken soup. I got some frozen biscuits. I got this, I got that. Let's throw it together and make something. You know, we call it hobo stew, um, everything soup. Um, but understanding, you know, I, I, the class I taught today, we taught people how to make a salad. Mm-hmm. Like people don't know how to make a salad. Right. And part of intuitive cooking is like, well, I got some, I made steamed some broccoli yesterday. I got some lettuce. I got some black beans from taco Tuesday. Um, it's Tuesday, right? We're having tacos today. Um, <laughs> so it's being able to be like, you know, my wife's home and I just look in the fridge and what are we going to have? What am I going to make my wife for lunch today? And we got this, we got that, the other. And then I make a vinaigrette that kind of matches the ingredients and a vinaigrette's the same. It's a, it's a, it's a vinegar or a sour, something sour, olive oil, some herbs, but you can mix it up. If you're going to make Italian food, you can make a balsamic. If you're going to make some barbecue, you make a apple cider vinaigrette. Um, if you're going to do something French, you do a champagne vinaigrette. So understanding what direction you're going Italian, I'm going to add mm-hmm. basil and oregano, uh, Mexican. I've got oregano, chilies and garlic. Um, if I'm making Indian, we're going straight to curries. We're doing turmeric, um, fenugreek. Uh, if I'm doing Thai, I've got fish sauce, soy and lime and sugar. So mm-hmm. intuitive cooking is like, what direction are we going? What do we have in front of us? It could be potatoes, sweet potatoes, black beans. It could be broccoli. It could be cabbage. Um, What protein do I have? Do I have beans? Do I have tofu? Do I have chicken, pork, beef? What cut do I have? You're able to narrow down what you can make by what you have, but also keeping, you know, some good pantry staples in the house as well. I'm kind of... Uh, I'm kind of spoiled as far as that goes. Cause I got a lot of staples uh, in the house, but every time you go to the store, buy some, a new little jar of spice, you know? <laughs> and that way, when, when it hits, I want to make a curry, be like, Oh, I remember I went to the Asian market. I got this little tin of curry that cost $2. I got a dollar can of coconut milk and some chicken. I can make a chicken curry. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so intuitive cooking is just understanding what you have, 
understanding what your meal goals are and then putting something together. And I'm not the person I didn't come up with this. I, I think every mother and father growing up, you know, mm-hmm. in, in houses that didn't have tons of resources know about intuitive cooking. Um, and sometimes the best stuff is made from that. Uh, there's French coco van, which is rooster with wine. Mm-hmm. That was just the dead rooster the tough meat of the rooster, you had to boil it down with wine and vegetables to make it soft. Yeah. Now it's a, a, you know, petite Louis for $45 a plate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, ratatouille uh, is just the soft vegetables from the field that they chopped up and they put some olive oil and they put some thyme and they put it in the oven. Yeah. Um, and every culture has something like that, you know, rice and beans, rice and peas, um, it's to feed a large family. It is to, to feed a bunch of people for a small amount of money. But now it's, people are like rice and beans is a superfood, and, and it's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. And you're like, man, people have been eating that because it's cheap and it feeds a lot of people. I mean, literally and it tastes you, good. You can go to the store, get yeah. a plantain, a little oil or some yeah. butter or something, like a stick of butter, a plantain, a can of the can of beans and some rice. And then you have side dishes at a Dominican restaurant. It that is, is what you have. And, and and I, I'm a bit of a foodie, um, mm-hmm. bit of a guy in the kitchen or what have you. I've recently kind of switched to doing the, the meal kits or what have you, mm-hmm. not necessarily the Marley spoon, but more so like bodybuilder kits because I want the extra protein. Okay. And every now and again, I'll find myself dabbling back in because I bought a butcher's block and a chef knife recently. And I was mm-hmm. like, Good. Oh, I got to get busy with this. So I'm just looking for excuses to use my chef. And I was like, Oh, I got some spinach. Let me add this here. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me try to make this into ribbons. So where's that cheese? Let's see if I can cut this in this way yeah. that I want. And I think that's, it's wonderful because once you start doing it and you see, um, you know, if you want more protein in your life, cooked protein at a store or restaurant, whole foods, giant, it's not cheap. It's not cheap to have their staff cook the food for you. Right. So if you know how to do batch of, you know, seared chicken breast, grilled chiken breast, um, you know, chiffonade your, your, uh, <laughs> your, uh, your spinach, um, you're going to be saving money. You're going to be cooking more health, uh, yeah. health wise as well. Uh, there's a ton of things that cooking does. Um, but also it makes you feel good. Like I made this, like yeah, sharing it with my friends. Uh, you know, I really love to share my food. Um, I love, I love having people over. I love to, I like to party. Um, you know, I like to have wine. I like good conversation. Um, and I like to show my friends, you know, I try not to show off cause I don't want to do that, but you want to show, you know, when you have friends over, like, you know, I want to make you really good food. I, it's kind of expected that I make you good food, but yeah. I actually really want to do that because hospitality is such a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a live presentation or whether I have friends over hospitality is, is number one. Um, and you know, hospitality being on a podcast, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta be hospitable to you. I, I yeah. you have to be hospitable everywhere you go. Um, feels good to do that. It feels good to make your own food. Absolutely. So I think, I think that's a good spot for us to leave it um, before we get into these rapid fire questions. Now, here, here's the thing. All the goodwill that we've established over the last however long mm-hmm. is all going to go away now So because <laughs> we got that's rapid cool. fire now. Mm-hmm. So what will happen is this. Uh, we're going to answer these as quickly as we can. So I'm going to start off with this one. Uh, favorite celebrity chef? It's a good one. <laughs> I have to say I love I, I like Gordon Ramsay, and I'll tell you why. 
Gordon Ramsay puts on a show. He yells at people. All those people he yells at deserve to be yelled at. You, <laughs> you would yell at them. They wouldn't be chosen for the show if they weren't able to be yelled at. Right. Um, I saw him. He used to do a show before he came to America. He did a BBC show. And he was like, he saw a young chef. A young chef dude was 17 years old in a kitchen he shouldn't have been in because it was unsafe. And he was yelling at the head chef. And he said, you, you're coming with me. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, oh, and he's like, I see what you do here. You do a great job. This is this person's number. You call them. I will call them and I'm getting you a job. And I saw him do that on that show. Ten times, maybe a young cook. He sees the talent. He knows what's going on. He has to put on the show. But Gordon Ramsay's never wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and these people, you know, I've, I've, I've been in kitchens with these people and you're telling them you don't want to yell at them, but you have to convince somebody that doesn't want to be convinced that what they're doing is unsafe or unsanitary or impractical. Um, and they're like, it's my restaurant. This is the way I want to do it. And he's like, well, you're a, you're a donkey. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what? Cause those people are donkeys. You know, they are what the, he's being honest with them. Um, you know, the guy's got five kids. He, he's got a he's got a, a multi probably billion dollar um, situation going on. Um, and I, I think it's admirable because his level of service is so high. His level of food quality. I don't agree with everything the guy does. I don't need to. But I do mm-hmm. remember seeing him being an excellent coach and mentor to people that needed it um, with love and respect. Um, and I was like, that's the real dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the real dude's not the yelling guy, the real dudes that goes into these places and helps these young people, you know, realize their, their life. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, uh, you say what you want about Guy Fieri. He's got some funky looking hair and the whole, he's got all the <laughs> shit going on, but I've personally met, I don't know, 10 restaurateurs who look up to this guy because he has put them on the map. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarah from Blue Moon, um, they've you know Guy Fieri's been there five times, um, and every time they can't shut the doors, they can't keep the people out. <laughs> I know people all over the country um, that have been have been blessed to be on his TV show and are, are making a killing. Um, and you know, again, I don't agree with everything the guy does. I think he's got funny looking hair and too much jewelry, but what he does for the folks that he helps out is is amazing, and that. Mm-hmm trumps anything else so this is this is the final one i got for you and this is one i referenced earlier mm-hmm. best leftover in terms of what you can do with it what comes to mind for you like what's the leftover because I, uh, I think there's a little framing that has to happen there mm-hmm. so what's the leftover that you regularly kind of like work with and then like what, what's the, what's the best in that regard um leftover tacos are just beautiful um and i always make extra tacos i I have to uh, leftover tacos are the best because whether you got chicken you got steak you got beef you got we do black bean and sweet potato tacos for a little veggie action Mm -hmm. um you got taco salad the next day you got nachos you got enchiladas (laughs) you got i mean you have anything um we're having tacos tonight i'm really excited and (laughs) tomorrow i'm gonna pack up a taco lunch and it's gonna be awesome and as long as you can keep the ingredients separate, yeah. whether you're at work or, or you're on the tomorrow, I'll be on the road. I could, I could put together a, a taco salad in the trunk of my car. No problem. <laughs> um, because I, I've got, I have the skills, um, but leftover tacos can't be beat. Um, leftover pizza. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> my daughter is like, I love cold pizza. Not as good as hot pizza, but cold <laughs> pizza is good. And I was like, cold pizza is it's cold good. Pizza is good. Um, I'll tell you, and this gets to tacos. I don't know if you've ever had like leftover Chipotle. Yes. Leftover Chipotle cold is really good. It is. And I'll go in my refrigerator the next morning and just crush that for breakfast. I'm like, that was good. That was tasty. I love it. I usually do that with like Indian food. If I get like a tikka masala or something, uh-huh. it's like, look, I'm, just, I'm not even going to really heat this up. No. I'm just going to eat this. I'm just going to like put this down my gullet and it's it's great. Like the only thing I really need <laughs> to heat so up is is like the the naan or whatever. I got you know you got yeah, yeah, garlic yeah. naan, yeah. and you know it's like it's that it's, that's about it. And I like mm-hmm. when it's like a lot of garlic on there, but oh, it's yeah. like yo, this is on the side. Oh yeah, let's make it a thing. So one thing we were talking about uh, intuitive cooking. Right now I've got a batch of rice in the fridge. Mm-hmm. I can freeze that rice. It'll be great when I defrost it. But I love making like everything in the kitchen sink fried rice. Mm. And as long as I got some eggs to scramble and some bacon grease and some yeah. onions and some, I put everything seasoning on top, yeah. <laughs> little teriyaki sauce in there. It is the, it is so good. Um, I'll throw like chopped lunch meat in there. Yeah. I'll throw turkey in there. Um, you know, rotisserie chicken. So once you understand intuitive cooking, leftovers are a breeze, a big thing. I'll tell you, we used to have leftover Taco Bell. I don't know how there was leftover Taco Bell. I do, <laughs> I do over order. I'd be in college. There'd be a couple tacos left over. My my roommates were like, "What are you doing, dude?" I would have like the tor- the cold tortilla in the toaster. I would scrape out the meat, put the sour cream and lettuce and cheese to the side, scrape out the meat, heat that in the microwave, and then reassemble <laughs> i would do that with like uh i would do that with wendy's bacon cheeseburgers wow. like separate like put a knife in there and cut the bread from the meat yeah heat up the bread do this and then re and my roommates are like what are you doing dude i'm like i'm making leftovers it's like fast food resurrections <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so i'll eat leftovers like i make a lot of food there's always leftovers in my fridge and i will eat them absolutely um so that's pretty much it, all I really have for today. So I want to, one, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check out uh, Chef Egg. Sure. Uh, you can learn more about me at chefegg.com. Uh, I've got an educational website called cookingwithegg.com. I'm working on getting those two smashed together. Um, and then I'm at Chef Egg on Instagram and Facebook. So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank Chef Egg for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lees, and there is uh, food, entertainment, education, hospitality, (laughs) in and around Baltimore, and you just got to look for it.